This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 404 for Wednesday, June 9th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Lou Page is back at Busy Zombie Lord and all the social media that matters. And of course, one half of Zombies Ate My Podcast. Which half are you, Lou? I am the part that brings the zombies. You bring the zombies. So Ryan slays the zombies. Oh, I say. Yes. So what you're saying is Zombies Ate My Podcast is your fault. Yes, it is. (laughs) there's always that one person in those zombie movies right there's always that one dude that thinks that they're above it all there is a reason why i am the zombie lord (laughs) (laughs) like the pied piper of zombies yes what does that sound like you're just wailing on the bagpipes and then a bunch of zombies following you down the street (laughs) exactly I, it's been a while because we had such a, a, a big drop in, in the middle. Uh, I know what I've been spending my entire life doing, and it all revolves around barbecue. What have, what have you been up to the last little while? Anything fun? On Zamp, not to plug my show, because I never do that. Uh, we did a watch-along with fans for Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's new zombie movie that just hit Netflix. Oh, how's that? Uh, it's, it, okay, I will give Zack Snyder credit. It's not a superhero movie, so it's good. Right. Yeah, because he doesn't like superheroes. Why why would you why would you expect exactly. him to make a good superhero music? Exactly. Uh it's very enjoyable. Um there was about 5 of us that watched along with me, Ryan, uh one of our listeners from Japan, uh another listener from out in the Midwest, and uh there was another one that bounced in and out. And we watched we watched the movie together and chatted and we put it up as an episode. So if you ever want, if you're gonna watch Army of the Darkness and you want a commentary track, can't go any better than watching me and Ryan watching a zombie movie for the first time. Is it Army of Darkness or Army of the Dead? Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Yeah, I think I saw that kind of scroll by and Netflix. Like, hey, based on what you've been watching, we think you'd like this. And I was like, oh, Netflix, we don't know each other at all. Um. It's not really a scary movie. It's more like an action movie with zombies. Okay. All right. Um, it, it, it will, it, it, think of it as it's Ocean's Eleven meets an action movie with zombies. Okay. Who's in it? The prem, uh, Dave Bautista stars. Okay. And then the rest of the cast is a bunch of people you recognize from bit parts, but nobody that's going to like stand out. Um, you know who is in it too uh, that you you'll recognize. You watched Luke Cage, right? Yes. Yeah. Remember the guy who played Shades? Uh, Shades. He, he was the Hispanic kid with the shades that wanted to kill Luke Cage, and was like manipulating things from behind the scenes. But you thought he was like a low level guy, and he was actually a high level guy. Mm, I'm not ringing a bell. If you saw him, you'd recognize him. As soon as you see him, you'd be like, oh, he's always a jerk. And as soon as you see him in this, he's a jerk. And you're like, oh, okay, he's going to die soon. And then he dies. And you go, oh, okay. Uh, Tig uh, Nataro is in this. Yes. Uh, they were in Star Trek. And- so I, I, know, I know them from Star Trek. 
Yes, and uh, Tig Nataro's in this, and the best part of this is um, her entire everything she was filmed in this movie doing is uh, is After Effects. Um, originally, there was another actor in her role, and he got really, really bad me too'd uh, oh. to the point where he was almost ready to go to jail over it. Oh shit! And so Zack Snyder was stuck with this all these scenes with this guy in it that he can't show because that's going to, that's going to take away from his movie. Mm -hmm. So he reached out and they cast Tig Notaro and then they green screened her into every shot with that actor. Good for them. And good for them. Only one. She only met one actual cast member when she did her filming. There was some scene that they added that they needed one of the other actors to come in and film. And so she only met one person on set. She said every other scene she filmed was in front of a green screen and somebody else standing behind her, standing wow. in front of her to represent them. Represent and the so she line, said, yeah. yeah. And she said she's never even met Dave Bautista, but she hopes to meet him someday. <laughs> even though they have like 12 scenes in the movie together. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I, to clarify, I didn't say, oh shit, that the guy nearly went to jail. That's a good thing. I just mean that it's yes. bad. It's, it's terrible that that kind of stuff has happened and good that Zack Snyder erased the douche knuckle from this, yeah, this, the, 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 the movie. That's good. It, it added to the budget, but he was like, no, it's worth it. It's going to oh, yeah. hurt sales if I put him, leave him in. Yeah. Well, it hurt sales. Just, I mean, also just like, just erase the actor. Like just, you don't yeah. get, you don't get to be on screen if you're that kind of a person. Like that's just how I think things should roll. Uh, well, that's interesting. I might, I might check that out. I like the, I like Dave Batista, so I might have to check those out. It's worth watching for him. And then there's a German kid who does. He's like, the whole plot of the movie is, uh, military transport is transporting a thing. Uh, an accident happens. The 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 thing they're transporting gets out. You don't know where it came from or what it is, but it starts attacking soldiers, turns them into zombies. They're near Vegas because they're transporting it from Arizona. Zombies invade Las Vegas. Las Vegas is quarantined and there's a wall now built around Las Vegas to keep the zombies in. And the guy who owns this really fancy hotel in uh, Las Vegas wants to hire those that escaped Las Vegas to go back in and break into his vault and get his $350 million. That's the premise of the movie. And so ba- Dave Batista, like in Ocean's Eleven, has to put together a ragtag group of like 12 guys to break back into Las Vegas and kill the zombies and get to the vault. It sounds like a good time. Like it's, it, if you don't take it too seriously, it sounds like a decent film. Like, did you like it? I loved it, actually. I was expecting to kind of be like meh on it, but it does a lot of creative things. Like it never fully tells you where the zombies came from. It never fully tells you the whole story but they keep leaving little hints about things and people keep questioning Zack Snyder about it and being like well why did you put that thing in there and he's like I don't know add questions to you make you think about it and then they're like well in this other scene there's this thing did you notice that there's a thing in the background he goes yeah I did that on purpose and they're like well that makes us have more questions and he's like yeah it should and you <laughs> and I'm like and I'm like wow this is a di- very different Zack Snyder who doesn't want to uh, spell everything up front and be an idiot. Oh God, beat you over the head with every last little detail. Yeah, really. It, it's really like they even joke at one point in the movie 
they come across somebody else, like somebody else tried to break into the vault. And they literally have a line of dialogue where the guy goes, well, that's where we're in a time loop. That's us from the last time we tried this. And the <laughs> other guy looks at him and goes, are you for serious? And he's like, uh, maybe, maybe not. And then they never talk about it again. And you're like, wait a minute. Did this movie just go meta on me and mess with my head? What's going on? Man, that yeah, that's at least there's. It sounds different. Like it sounds like it's, it's different, very than, different than most other other films that I I've seen in terms of, or heard of at least. You know, when when I hear the plot explained or the the breakdown of the zombie movie, usually they all sound very very similar, which is why I don't kind of. I tell you this: if you if you see it, the one thing you won't like will be the same thing I didn't like. I didn't like the ending. Horror movies always have a hard time sticking the ending. Always. <sighs> The ending I don't like because it breaks a bunch of the rules that establishes the beginning of the movie. Mm. And I and I and I was like, fine, okay, I get it. They they're hinting that they might they might want to do a sequel. And apparently, what I read was is this the ending was edited and changed because the screenings pre screenings of the film went so well. Netflix wants to do a sequel, so they reshot something to hint at a sequel. And I'm like, that's fine, I get it still stupid though i've been looking for something because I, I enjoy batista as drax of course in guardians of the galaxy and the uh end game and all that kind of stuff but i've been seeing most of the films that he's done outside of marvel have been pretty family slash kid films i feel like both uh him and john cena have like they're they're taking the same career path post wwe yes. and i feel like they talk to Dwayne johnson before they did that um yep. i mean and as you should because he's obviously doing quite well um but surprisingly as much as i enjoy dwayne johnson i don't watch most of his movies <laughs> because they're just they're not aimed at me you know like they're just they're yep. at that family accessible like and I, I mean believe me i get it i understand the appeal of family friendly most of my content is family friendly for that reason um yeah but I just like I think the last thing that I saw John Cena in where I didn't feel like it was a kid film, although it was still kind of a, a teen tween movie, was Bumblebee. Yeah, he, he played Agent Burns in that. Uh, not the bad guy, but kind of like the main chase giver. Like he was trying to track down Bumblebee and he was trying to get to the bottom of everything. And in the yeah. end, he ends up being Bumblebee's being... friend, I think. Um, yeah, like or letting him go or understanding the greater situation and being wise about it was essentially his when all the other government yeah. people are being dickheads about stuff. Um, yeah. And it which worked because it works for him because it means that he's not it, like it doesn't paint him as like a just a bad guy. Like it's not a it's not a, it's a more it's a deeper character than you'd expect. Um, but yeah, I just I I see like it, I, it's worth watching it, if nothing else, for his role. He's very different in it. He's an action star, but he's very he's very quiet in the movie. Hmm. Like he's not he's not like an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a Sylvester Stallone. He leads this group. And it's like no, you go over there. And he, he's very quiet, and it's a very different kind of. I'd say it's it's not Drax where he's making one-liners all the time mm -hmm. or being goofy. It's not that he's kind of like the one really serious character in the movie, and his acting is really good. Somebody's been taking acting lessons. Mm. I think the last time I saw him in a trailer, it was for My Spy. That's the kind of movie that I'm thinking yeah. of. Um, I'm yep. seeing. I'm and seeing I here avoided that, that like a 
Yeah. I avoided that like a pl- like yeah. a plague. Well, I mean, it's not meant for me. It's the kind of thing like if you had kids that age, you'd have to go see it in theaters for you know a birthday party or something. But like it's it's I'm not going to go out of my way to see it on my own. Um, I see Army of uh, the Dead Las Vegas has a TV series, or is that this? Nope. There is a there is an animated. Uh, this did so well. Oh, um, uh, nice. Netflix is backing an animated prequel. That's going to tell the story of all of our heroes and why they're going back into Las Vegas. Okay. So uh, Batista's doing the uh, the voice. Voice over. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Right on. If you're looking for something that something that's out of your wheelhouse, that, that, that movie wasn't that bad. It was I, I, I've watched it twice now. So if that tells you anything. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you've got so much to talk about that you've watched because um, to talk about the main things that that we've been doing and normally this is where I would put in, you know, like movies or video games or some other cool thing that I'm I'm really into. And uh, I've not really watched anything new. Like I just really haven't gotten and nothing's got their hooks into me yet. Um, it's also mm-hmm. been a very busy week with Minecraft. So this does kind of play into what I can do for this segment this week, which is actually uh, lay everybody down with a bunch of recommendations. So for those that don't know, uh, Minecraft, the Caves and Cliffs update part one came out yesterday. Uh, we'll have links to the trailer and the article and stuff in the show notes. Uh, and essentially what this is, is just a, it's a it's a, one of the major updates to the game in the last year. And actually it's been a year since it was last updated, um, just about. And it adds a bunch of new blocks, uh, some new stones under the ground, some new... Uh, other kind of mechanics there's new metals there's copper is now in the game previously there was like iron and gold and and diamond and now there's copper as well there's new game mechanics there's new animals like uh, goats glow squid and axolotls uh there's all kinds of different plant blocks that they've added it's just basically like having an expansion you know pack for any video game minecraft has been doing this for quite some time um but because of the new rollover with the new um the new content if you are new to Minecraft, if you have a family member or a kid that's new to Minecraft and you want to learn a bit more, uh, these update cycles are a great way to get started because a lot of content creators start new worlds. Uh, ironically, I'm not one of them, <laughs> even though I will point you towards my content at the end of the show. But um, a lot of times because of the cyclical nature, because of uh, the complicated nature of updating a, an existing world with new content, uh, essentially, for the layman's terms, you have to travel farther and farther afield to find new blocks and new content because the game won't refresh parts of the world that you've already built in because Mojang Studios, who makes Minecraft, don't want to accidentally delete anything that you've done, which makes sense. So uh, what happens is a lot of times, especially with a big rollover, like this is now version 1.17 for the game, content creators will start a lot of new projects and you'll have a chance to see even if they're an experienced content creator and an experienced builder or a a player, they're still going to have to start over. So you're still going to see a lot of early gameplay, uh, a lot of kind of like getting back to basics. Sometimes people uh, will do tutorials. Sometimes people will just go ahead and play or show you shortcuts about how to get going a little bit faster if it's something that you've done once, but you're not really sure about Anyway, what I thought I would do is recommend a bunch of YouTube and Twitch content creators, uh, and uh, I'll have links to all of their information in the show notes this week. So if you're new or if you want someone just entertaining to watch, you want something 
that is uh, short form. So like, you know, 20 minutes or less usually, unless it's a stream, but streams are not really narrative. So you can kind of pop in and pop out of a stream whenever you want um, or pay attention or, or back, like, like take a back seat and just kind of watch and do it while you're doing other work, like watch it while you're doing other work uh, and then chime in if you ever need to. I find that that kind of content, it's how I learned how to play. I watched a content creator uh, who I think is still doing stuff, but I haven't really watched their stuff in a very long time called Paul Sorz Jr. And that's essentially how I learned how to play the game. Um, but I do um, the Spawn Chunks podcast every week with uh, my friend Pixel Riffs, Johnny, who's been on this show a couple of times. And uh, that's the first channel that I'll point you towards. Uh, and I won't bother giving all the links here on the show. I'll just, I'll, I'll, everybody is basically using their username as, as their handles online. So between Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch, uh, and the links in the show mm -hmm. notes, you'll be able to find everybody. It's pretty straightforward. Um, but Pixel Riffs uh, is uh, the creator behind the Minecraft Survival Guide, which he's been doing or has been doing for almost two years now. And it is a tutorial series. Uh, and it shows you kind of all the ropes. And he's brought that to a close because he's going to start it again in probably 2022 when another update comes to Minecraft. But right now what yeah. he's doing is something called a hardcore tutorial series. So hardcore is a game mode where if you die, that's it. You get one life. The world is locked. You can fly around in it and look around, but you can't play in it anymore. So the penalty for dying is you lose all the stuff that you've been creating. So you kind of have to go in there with that knowledge. Not necessarily a mode that I recommend for people that are new to Minecraft. But if you've never played hardcore before and you want to know what concerns and all that kind of stuff you, you have to deal with, watching Johnny do it on his channel uh, would probably provide you with some insight. And like, I'm a pretty seasoned Minecraft player. And even his first episode, he dropped a couple of tips. I'm just like, oh yeah, I never thought about that. So there's always something. It's a very deep game for people that, that are interested in that kind of stuff. Um, another content creator uh, is uh, Exumavoid. Uh, again, have all the links in the show notes. Uh, uh, they're one of the members of Hermitcraft and is someone that puts a lot of time, thought, and energy and research into their content. And I really enjoy them. They're fun. Um, all of these creators are family friendly, by the way, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Um, and he was actually um, one of the people we interviewed on the Spun Chunks. I believe it was episode 94. Uh, I'll look that up after, after I record this. But I uh, had a great time talking with him, talked about the behind the scenes of running one of the biggest servers on, on YouTube and how all that happens. Um, really, really cool, cool person to follow online and watch their content. Uh, Cubfan135 is another member of Hermitcraft and is the kind of Minecraft creator that likes to use what I call every part of the buffalo uh, in the <laughs> game. Uh, he just, he really reminds me a lot of the time that uh, there are just so many different blocks and so many different things that you can do if you don't get too hung up on what you're doing. Like if you just let your imagination fly a little bit, he always likes taking on massive projects. Uh, he often focuses his new content around new mechanics as well. So like when he starts a new series, He's also looking to go straight to, well, what's the new stuff? I've been playing this game for like, you know, years and I don't want to do the same old, same old. I want to do something new, something different. And so yeah. when you're watching through his content, it doesn't get stale, which is nice. Um, I know you're not super into Minecraft, but have you ever come across any creators and just like watched a video out of curiosity? I've watched a couple of your, your stuff when you, back in the day when you right. were posting stuff. And 
everything. I just I can't get into Minecraft. Yeah, man. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those things. Like the people that like it love it, and then the people that can't get into it, they're just not interested it, because it scratches a certain itch. See, for for me, my day job scratches the itch that Minecraft fills. So at the end of the day, when I watch people do stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, that's. I understand why people like this. I do this all day. So another content creator that I really enjoy is Mumbo Jumbo. Uh, Mumbo for short. He doesn't really use the Jumbo very much, but that's the channel name. Uh, he's a very technical player. And in Minecraft, you can do a lot of stuff that involves building like machinery and circuits and making things move or do things that you want to do automatically. Uh, and uh, he's also a member of the Hermitcraft server, but he has a very different take on things. Uh, and he, the thing that I like so much about Mumbo is that even though as technical as he is, he still explains what he's doing very well. And what he's doing is not necessarily always the most practical. Like sometimes he's making it more complicated because he's, he enjoys the challenge of making it more complicated, but he still explains mm -hmm. what he's doing. So if you wanted to take the principle and maybe say, I don't need 10,000 items a minute. Maybe I only need like a hundred items a minute. You can kind of like scale it down to something that's easier to handle. He does it kind of like for the bragging rights and for the, the fun of it. Right. Uh, and I always find that really cool. Something else that I really enjoy about his content is that without a doubt, like he couldn't hide how much fun he has if he tried. It's, it's infectious <laughs> to watch him play the game. Something silly will happen. Something will go wrong. And he will just laugh himself silly. And it's all in the video. Like it's all recorded and, and it's all part of the, the, the tag along that you have with these creators, um, which is something very similar to uh, the next creator, uh, Iskal85. Uh, Iskal can land on the sillier side of Hermitcraft. If you're detecting a theme, I do watch a lot of Hermitcraft content creators. Uh, and the thing that Iskal brings is just like the imagination and the aesthetic choices that he brings are, they're just unique and and everything has a reason like it might be a little bit silly but it's still a solid thing you know it's it's an idea that he has and he follows it through like maybe he wants to make a a giant robot that will take items from other players and turn it into prizes or create a mini game and create a frenzy you know amongst the the other members of his server to try and collect all the things like a mini pokemon game or something uh, there's some really off the wall stuff. Sometimes it doesn't always land. Like sometimes it's a little bit forced. The jokes are a little bit groany, <laughs> like that kind of thing. But like, you know, the content is aimed at slightly younger audiences, that kind of thing. Um, but I really do. I really do enjoy his content because he's he's not afraid of reminding people like it. Don't take it too seriously. It's just a game. Like some people get into Minecraft and they're building castles and they want to make it all look perfect. And I'm one of those people sometimes that gets caught up in it and Iskal's content is just like, let's make a giant frog. I don't know why. I just want to. And let's put a mustache on it. Like just all that kind of stuff is just really silly fun. And it's kind of a nice refresher. It's like, yeah, you have to let go sometimes and just kind of like let inspiration uh, take you where you want. Uh, Whip, F-W-I-P, is another uh, creator that I follow. Speaking of inspiration, now this is someone that takes Minecraft and does a lot more, I want to say like almost art content. He builds towns and castles and uh, steampunky builds and he builds mountains. He just takes on these massive, massive projects, but he really gets caught into the details of it. Like, what is your experience 
as a player you know as someone that plays video games lou you'd probably appreciate this even though if, you know minecraft isn't your thing he designs his minecraft worlds like he's designing a level in a video game so yep. he's thinking about things like zelda games or you know mario games or other games that he's played where he's had an experience walking around a level and then tries to recreate that sense of depth and i i appreciate that eye you know like that level of of artistic kind of commitment to something uh so he's he's a, a good person to watch as well and uh, i i don't want to leave out uh any of the female creators that i follow and these are just kind of like the tip of the iceberg i, I kind of grabbed like six or eight that i were kind of front and center of my brain uh, gemini tay is a really well-spoken down-to-earth content creator and she puts her love of minecraft forefront and center in her content you cannot miss it and again one of those people that just has a really good time making the videos uh likes building is is a great great builder and is starting to get into more survival stuff uh we've interviewed her on the spawn chunks as well she's an absolute de delight to to listen to uh really easy going and i think sets a really good example for a lot of younger minecrafters and so I, I try to champion her channel as best I can. She's also an, an Atlantic Canadian. She's up in Newfoundland, which is really cool. Uh, so because not always, not all the time do you run into other Minecrafters that are like, I find it, there are Canadians uh, and there are some pretty famous Canadians Minecrafters, but there's also like, you don't really find them locally. So to find her so so near to me was was kind of a, a fun <laughs> surprise. Uh, and last but not least, uh, Elaine Eddy is a recent discovery of mine, an Australian creator currently playing in a hardcore world, just like Pixel Rifts is that I mentioned at the top of the list. Uh, she's got over 105 hours. So she's lasted and lived for 105 hours logged in this world uh, and continues to count up as she as she plays on. Uh, so there's always that back of the 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 stream tension of like, what's going to happen? Like, is it going to be a, a hairy, hairy episode or what? She, what is she going to be up to? Uh, also, very well-spoken, super sweet individual. All of these people are pretty chill when it comes to their content. They're not shouting at the mic. They're not, they, their content is king. They don't necessarily want to be a superstar, if that makes any sense. Yes. Which is really refreshing. Those are the kind of people I like to watch. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and because of the time difference, uh, Ilanetti is usually streaming when I'm eating breakfast because she's Australian. Uh, and so I will very often just kind of like lurk in the background and watch while I'm eating breakfast. Um, again, I will have links to all of these uh, in in the show notes. Uh, it's not much of a like a rundown of what I've been watching on their channels. It's more like a just a kind of a recommended list of like, look, if you're trying to get started into watching some Minecraft content and you want to check out some people that are doing some things um, on a regular basis at a high level, then these are the people that that I would recommend. And I would be remiss if I didn't point people towards uh, my channel on Twitch because I do I do do this and it is part of my job. Uh, I, I stream the same kind of chill content. I'd like to think uh, on twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. Uh, actually, uh, I, my, I have a recommendation for the, the internet minute later on. That is definitely someone that does do streams on YouTube once in a while or tw Twitch once in a while. And uh, they're posting them on you on YouTube. And that's how I've been watching them. So I'm going to have a re YouTube recommendation of my own later. Nice. Nice. I think I know who you're talking about. It should be fun. So what have you been up to, man? Like what have you been watching? I've been itching for some Marvel. So this morning while I was making my breakfast, uh, I watched Loki. And uh, it's only one episode. It's about 55 minutes long. Um, I'm not sure how long this season for Loki is going to be. Um, 
I have not paid attention to how many episodes it's going to be, but what they're setting up, uh, it's got to be a good eight or nine episodes. Um, I was hooked from the moment it begins because it begins in that moment in Endgame where we all go, what the hell? And that is when the Tesseract gets loose and Loki picks it up. And that's exactly where the show begins. I should warn you, uh, warn listeners, uh, I may spoil a few things, but for the most part, almost everything you've seen in the trailers and the little teases they've been giving for the last couple of weeks, it's all the first episode. Almost all of it. There's very few things that are later episodes. Essentially, Loki broke time. Is pretty much what you fi find out. Uh, apparently, the universe is in a constant time stream that is supposed to go in one direction and everything we do is predetermined. And when things step out of their predetermined lane, that's when they come in and they collect you, they bring you to jail, they reset you, put you back in time where you're supposed to make the right decision, and they force you to make the right decision. Is this similar to what the Ancient One was talking about with um, Banner in, in Endgame? I think it's kind of what it is. The basic premise, you get a tutorial. They make Loki sit in front of a screen. So they explain why he's going to, to be on trial. <laughs> nice. And, the, the, and he's thinking it's because he killed people. It's because he picked up the Tesseract. That's why he's going to jail. He wasn't supposed to do that. And what you find out is that somewhere millennia ago, uh, there was a multi-universe war over who was the right timeline. And timelines were fighting with other timelines. And along the way, three individuals stepped forward, merged all of the timelines, and broke the multiverse and made it a single universe. And whenever anybody steps outside the main timeline, they become what's called a variant. So he's become... The Loki variant. He's the one that didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so they have to go back and they have to put him back. They have to stand him on trial, punish him, put him back in place where he's supposed to be. So that the timeline is maintained. Interesting. So does the, I guess you don't answer this if it's a major spoiler and, or you might not know. If they put the variant back, does the variant then remember the detour? No. No. Sort of like men in black sort of situation. So that that's the vibe. They call it resetting, and they haven't said it means that they put you back, but I can't imagine that it's not that they put you back. Yeah, it's that you're there. You just don't realize that you've left because they, if they put you back at the right time precisely, then it's like you never left. That kind of a... Yeah. Time travel is always finicky, and they, they had a lot of fun with that in the end game in terms of how they explain it and how Hollywood gets it wrong all the time, but... Um, they have fun with it five minutes into this sh this this uh, 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 this show. When Loki escapes, literally a portal opens up, and like three guys in suits in like military outfits come through the gate, and he looks at them like, "What the hell is this?" And they literally are like, "We're here to arrest you." And he's like, "I'm the god of mischief. What are you gonna do to me?" And so the woman hits him with a baton. And it slows him down to like a third speed. So she's moving in full regular speed. And his face is like, 
<laughs> and she's like, yeah. And if you do, if you talk to me that way again, I'll hit you again and I'll slow you down even more. And just so you know, you're moving at that speed, but you're still feeling the pain at regular speed. <laughs> and you're like, oh, these people don't mess around. <laughs> it's, I'm glad that Marvel has got a sense of humor about this kind of stuff, because otherwise it just gets so thick so fast. You know, in terms of yeah. timelines and, and alternate timelines. And so if they're trying to, they're trying to maintain a singular universe timeline. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So what does that mean for Marvel's multiverse plans? Um, I have a funny feeling that that's what Loki's going to tie into. Oh, well, which makes sense because Doctor Strange has got a close yeah uh, tie in with time being the person that keeps the time stone. yes and he's the multiverse it's called the multiverse of madness so i have a funny feeling loki's gonna tie into it uh they introduce owen wilson and he is an agent for that they call the tva which is like the time variant uh association or something like that and he's like the guy they send when somebody's like a rogue time variant and he's hunting somebody and they don't really tell you who it is. He's introduced and it's like the 1500s and he's like in an old church and somebody's been murdered. That's not that's important to the timeline. That's not supposed to be dead. This little girl saw it all and he walks over and he goes from speaking English to the guy he's with to speaking like ancient Italian or or whatever it is that he's supposed to be speaking and he starts talking to this little girl and he says to her did you see who did it and she's like yes and so she kind of hints at who the bad guy is but you never get a distinct answer as to who the bad guy is and then at the end of the first episode they possibly reveal to you who the real bad guy is that he's chasing but it's somebody that's figured out what's going on and they're running through time causing problems. See, I like that kind of a setup in that you've got Owen Wilson is not necessarily chasing Loki. He's chasing this big bad. And then Loki, the god of mischief, just kind of comes in sideways. And then he kind of has to deal with Loki as well. But then he's still trying he's still trying to do he's still trying to do the hero thing and, and save the day. But then he has to deal with Loki doing Loki stuff all the time. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And, and so the premise is is because Loki is a variant himself, and because he's so ominent or powerful, he thinks he can use Loki to help him catch this other variant and so he gets the 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 judge that's gonna judge uh uh loki to let him be like released to his custody and then he has a sit down with loki where they recap everything that's happened to loki and then even show loki his own future <laughs> and they're like this is what you were supposed to do and he goes but i wouldn't do that that's not me why would i do that and they're like because you did. And he's like, but and, 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 and he's like, but this doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't do that. And he's like, but you did. He's like, that's not me. And he's like, it's going to be you. The, the inevitability argument. Yeah. That's, I can, I, it, especially with actors as talented as, as, um, Owen Wilson and, uh, gosh, uh, Tom Hilson trying to remember who played yep. Loki. Uh, I, like, I, I feel like given, I don't know if Wilson's done a lot of theater, but I know Hiddleston has. 
And so yeah. given their his theater background, I can just I can see the play with that being really, really, yeah. really, really fun. It, 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 it was 50 minutes. It felt like 20 minutes. And I was entertained for the whole 50 minutes. And, and, and it made me going, oh, man, I can't wait to see where it's going next week, because this whole episode was just the setup. For what they're going to do. Um, and my favorite bit, because it was confusing me in the trailer, it was super confusing me in the trailer. In the trailer, they show this scene where Loki is in a business suit on an airplane, and he puts on a parachute, and he jumps out of the plane and says, Heimdall and, and Thor, you better get me. And then they rainbow bridge him out of there, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole scene, every time I see the scene, I'm like, what is that? That is them showing him his past. That is something we've never seen of Loki before. Are you familiar with the story of, uh, from this, I think it was the set, 60s or 70s, a guy hijacked a plane, uh, made the plane fly over Washington, and then he, he got, a, he got the, the, the government to pay him a bunch of money so he wouldn't blow up the plane, and then... When the pilot was flying over Washington State, he jumped out of the airplane, and they've never seen or caught this guy ever again, and he got away with millions of dollars. No, I don't know. I don't know the story. I forget the guy's name, but it's one of these like urban legends that's real, but that like they've never caught this guy. Nobody knows what happened to him. Uh, D.B. Cooper. That's what it is. The guy's name is D.B. Cooper, and nobody knows who he is, why he did it, or whatever. They reveal that Loki was D.B. Cooper. <laughs> and the only reason he did it is he lost a bet to Thor. <laughs> nice. And so they show him this because because the uh, Owen Wilson is trying to explain to Loki, you're not evil, you're mischief, but you seem to be doing bad things. You should be doing more mischief. And he's like, he's like, I do what I do. And he's like, yeah, but then you did this. This is my favorite. And then he shows the D.B. Cooper video and he cuts back to Loki and Loki was like, that was a dumb bet. And he's like, yes, you need to do more things like this. <laughs> dumb bets don't disrupt the universal timeline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's cool. I mean, it sounds like uh, Wednesdays are going to be the time to tune into Disney Plus, which is good because like I've just sort of reached that point where. Um, I'm too busy. No, well, uh, too busy. But like the. um. It's the, I don't want to have to look, right? It's the, it's the Netflix yeah. scroll problem. It's the, what service is playing? What can I find where now thing? Uh, again, I realize it's a first world problem with all, you know, uh, to have, but when you're doing and looking for content to talk about and, and when you enjoy an escape of an hour long, you know, series once a week, once Falcon and the Winter Soldier was over, I'm just like, well, I guess I got to figure out what I'm going to do between now and Loki. And I really haven't found that thing. Uh, I just haven't had a, much of a chance. And I mean, it's fine. It's also nicer weather. I've been spending more time outside, you know, reading on the balcony, that kind of thing. So it's, I mean, it's not, I'm not complaining, um, but it does kind of like when, when one service like Disney plus is having these monster hits and there's a few weeks in between them, it, it kind of makes you like, it really Appreciate makes you realize them. just how good they are when you've got a yeah. service or several other services that you can turn to. Uh, that have a lot of content and you're just like, yeah, I I'll just wait. You know, like I'll just, I, for me, I'm noticing that the value in a lot of these um, better received series is that I don't have to think about it. Like I just, 
I know what I'm watching next. And I, and I, I appreciate that of just like, you know, Wednesdays now, you know, probably, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to like Loki and now it'll just be like, well, whatever I'm watching today, cause I don't really have a lot of time to watch like multiple things at once. It's usually just one thing. Uh, Wednesdays will be Loki. I no longer have to worry about Wednesdays, whether that's breakfast or dinner or whatever it is that I want to do. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be fun to, to explore that. Cause you know, things are not back to normal yet. No, exactly. I, everything that streaming services be trying to get, shove me lately has been really serious stuff. Yeah. Like everything is heavy. And with everything that's going on, Erica and I have often been like, I don't want something heavy. I want something goofy. I want something silly. And as much as the Marvel stuff sometimes gets a little heavy, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I laughed a whole bunch while watching that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't super heavy. Uh, uh, WandaVision. WandaVision was goofy, serious, silly. It was all over the place, but it wasn't like in your face heavy all the time. There's also a huge element of fantasy to both of those shows, right? Yeah. And so you can, yeah. it's not like you're tuning in to watch like murder mystery of the week because I just, I'll just watch the news. You know, like I just, I don't need that kind of content. I don't understand why yeah. they're always so popular. Um, same thing with, um, I see it in podcasts all the time. Biggest thing the last four or five years in podcasting, everybody's talking about true crime stories. I don't need more of that in my eardrums. Thanks. Like I'm much happier listening to a bunch of lighthearted people talk about tech news or, you know, other things that I enjoy, you know, it's one of these things that I, I don't talk about my day job, my day job. I look at really serious stuff. that's mm -hmm. really depressing and like super heavy all the time like i read things that would literally make the average person cry every day all day when i'm ready to relax true crime and that's it's like I, that's what i've been looking at all day long yeah i do not have any interest but i guess for the average person they're doing the opposite that's the way i've i i guess that's the mm. way my coworkers and I have discussed it is the average person is the opposite. No excitement, no drama, pretty mundane. They're looking for something juicy. Yeah. Yeah. Dramatic. Yeah. I can see that. I could, I could sort of see that. I just, my, my day job, I get pulled in so many directions professionally every day that I'm just, my head is spinning by the time the day is over. So I'm just like, okay, I just need something fun and relaxing and, uh, I mean, I do keep up on world events and world news too. So like, I don't need more of that kind of drama. So it's, it's nice to have an, an escape, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough balance. And I'm not criticizing anybody for liking those things. Uh, I'm just bewildered by it and why there are so many of them. I like murder mystery stuff, but it's gotta have, it's, it's gotta have that moment of not serious. Like they're looking for the bad guys, but maybe the hero's kind of goofy. Or the hero has a different way of working at the world. It's not all gloom and doom. It's not cop chasing. It's not the cop chasing the murderer this week. It's the weird eccentric PI who catches the bad guy this week. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's kind of my shtick. I didn't watch the whole series, but I enjoyed the first few seasons of Castle for that. Yep. yep. Well, I mean, I'm also a big Nathan Fillion fan, but like it had that kind of nice new take slightly yep. lighter content i mean it still had it got heavier as the seasons went on the heavier stuff was the heavier stuff was the bad bad parts of the show yeah yeah 
No, I agree. It might have even been why I tuned out, or it could have been just I got sick of trying to hunt it down to watch it. Since we're on Disney+, Plus, I will recommend The Bad Batch. Uh, I'm going to recommend an animated Star Wars show, which I guess I, I didn't think I was going to recommend because I didn't have any interest in it. But I watched a couple episodes, and it's not bad. If you liked Clone Wars and all the other stuff that they've done, they're doing it again, and it's got tie-ins to The Mandalorian and a bunch of other stuff. I'm curious as if, if when Mandalorian comes back, maybe we might get tie-ins with live-action actors to The Bad Batch. Well, I know that they had some relation or some sort of dealings with the story for Ahsoka in Season 7, but yep. that, it was also the part of Season 7 from Clone Wars that I tuned out because I didn't like it. It all felt forced. It was one yeah. of those things where Disney was like, come back after years. The series was unfinished. Now the final season seven of Clone Wars. But wait, here's four or five episodes of people that you don't know anything about that you have to watch first. And I was just like, I don't want this. Like I I watched it only in the odd event that there might be a, a, a nugget of story that would be relevant moving forward. And I think something might have applied to Anakin, but most of the time... It was, I was just waiting for Ahsoka stuff to really pick up. And that's where the series got good. The Bad Batch's story is super easy. Uh, in Clone Wars, if you watched, there was an episode about a bunch of clones that were like the clone rejects. Mm -hmm. That's these guys. They're the Bad Batch. They're the three, they're the, they're the, like the six guys that, that nobody cares about. They're the clones that were like, basically they should have been scrapped, but instead... They think so outside the box, they throw them on suicide missions. That's that's the basic premise. And when Code 66 or whatever it is that that all the clones turn on the Jedi and kill them, these guys didn't get that programming. So they're like, why are we killing Jedi? This doesn't make any sense. And so they realize they have to pretend like they're the other clones. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Tarkin doesn't fall for it and sends a hit squad for them. And now they're on the run. That's the basic premise. Oh, and they have a kid tagged along with them. There is another experiment that the clone people were working on. And she's kind of become friendly with them. And they kind of find out that she's going to get taken out too. So they bring her with them. It, well, it's interesting that they then end up protecting a younger person. That might that might be enough to get me to watch because the thing that it drove me nuts was it was so stereotypical. Like, yep. there's the nerdy guy that has thick goggles and does all the techie stuff. And he was like, oh, the, God, like it does couldn't... something interesting though that I didn't expect when I watched the first episode. One of their characters, one of the Bad Batch, he's a jerk. And, like, every time he talks, you're like, oh, if I have to sit through six episodes of this guy or 12 episodes, a whole season of this guy, I'm going to scream. He's the one of the Batch that turns against them. And he ends up being the clone that's hunting them down. I wonder if I can remember who that is. Don't tell me. But I'm like, I'm wondering if I... If I was to look at them again or see a clip, if I could figure out who that would be. Because I remember there's a lot of them, more than one that rubbed me the wrong way. He was like the one character that I was like, oh, this guy's going to drive me nuts. And then as soon as he became the bad guy, I was like, oh, okay, I'm okay with him being the bad guy. 
And 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 like I said, it's got Mandalorian tie-ins. In the third episode, uh, uh, there's a bounty hunter chasing them. It's one of the bounty hunters from Mandalorian. Somebody else is chasing them at one point, and they hinted at it being somebody else. Uh, they even have a callback in the in the Clone Wars. There was a guy who was a clone who was basically like the deserter. He left to go start a family. I don't remember who that is, but I remember that plot. They go and find him, and they hide out with him for a while. I wasn't sold. When they showed the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks dumb. Mm -hmm. But then when I watched it, and I was like, the first episode didn't 100% sell me. But by the end of the second episode, I was like, this isn't bad. And even when the Star Wars cartoons are not knocking out of the park, there's still Star Wars cartoons. Like, there's still action and lasers and explosions. And yeah, there's usually something. There's usually something. I I mean, I will say that I did not love every episode of The Mandalorian Season 2. I liked the season. I really, really enjoyed some episodes. But there's a couple. I'm just like, really? Do I have to sit through all of this? And so the fact that, you know, I can see the value in some of the the cartoons. Because even, um, no, not Clone Wars. What was the one that happened there? Rebels. So even with Rebels, there's some stuff before it got serious later on. There was definitely some kitty episodes that really kind of drove me the wrong way. Yeah, I didn't. The first season of that show was really hard to watch. No, it was like Aladdin in space. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really kitty. And then as all of a sudden, when you get to like season two, it's like they turned it on a dime and they went, oh, yeah, you thought this was goofy. Here we are with the serious Star Wars stuff. And you go, oh, wait. And that's when I liked the show was after its second season. Do you find that um, Bad Batch is a little bit more serious off the start? Start is like is yes. it aimed at really young kids or is it more of a kind of like 12, um, 12 to fifteen it, sort of thing? It says like it feels like it's aimed at twelve to fifteen, but that the kid character is there to tie in the younger kids. Right. Yeah. Something for the younger kids to identify with. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Moving on into the Internet Minute, brought to you by, of course, you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server that is shared with my own personal Patreon page as well as my Twitch page. So there's a good hundred or so people in there right now. Uh, There are multiple levels with different words like Discord roles and bonus episodes to choose from. Patron count is at 23. I just checked this morning. That's steady on from last week. Our goal each month is to have at least one more patron supporting the Citadel Cafe. If you'd like to do that, again, the webpage is patreon.com slash the citadel cafe my pick this week is uh cute and dog related uh i've been sharing this with a few friends uh laura absolutely loves this has become a massive fan hi this is tatum is an instagram and uh tiktok account where two owners in maine to tie it into lou uh give their dog tatum a voice mostly done by uh the male owner of the dog uh and uh it is hilarious. Uh, he has his own sort of accent. He has his own little silly cartoon voice. And most of the time, it's really th- the dude having a conversation with himself with the other voice being Tatum. Yeah. And and, in, and at times, uh, his I believe it's his wife, plays a role. And so there's a little bit of acting involved, but not much because I don't necessarily know if she always knows what tatum is going to say next 
<laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Tatum plays the the antagonist goofball, uh, straight man played by the husband, and then like the uh, innocent bystander often played by the missus. Anyway, cute. Uh, it's Tatum is a beautiful dog. He's he's a, a kind of a copper color. Uh, I want to say pitbull, pitbull terrier, something like that. Uh, just really, really appealing looking dog. And the the things that they go through are like any dog owner would be able to relate. I don't even own a dog. You're only I'm only you know with someone that has a dog, and and I I get most of the jokes now. <laughs> Like just, yep. it's an absolute joy. Uh, so I've been spreading it around as best as I can. I, and I want to say, uh, the dog is apparently a Pixel Fund rescue. Uh, Pixel Fund is a actually a really cool uh, uh, dog and cat placement program there in Maine, Georgia, and Florida. Um, uh, we've actually almost adopted a cat from there once or twice. Oh man, you should see the early pictures of Tatum. Bad shape. Was oh was, yeah, was uh, a rough the, go. T- uh, Pixel uh, Pixel Fund specializes in um, animals that have been in rough shape or have been in bad uh, bad family predicaments and whatnot, and they look to find them good homes. I don't know for sure, but I would guess that it wasn't so much abuse as it was maybe just got lost, abandoned, or it's usually neglect. Yeah, I, I think it was more like a lost dog on the streets, you know, had something yeah. wrong, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I I, did, I don't dig into that that far because mostly what I watch for is is the latest, you know, hilarity. That yeah. like, I I really jive with the sense of humor. If you have a dry sense of humor and you just like kind of like non sequiturs and stuff like that, it's it's really really funny. What's your pick this week? I don't often have a pick, but I have a pick this week because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Resident Evil 8 came out about maybe a month ago. I've managed to play through it and beat it twice. Um, but that's because I'm a weirdo. Uh, and I didn't particularly find it scary. But Scott Johnson of the Morning Stream does a, it, it. Someone bought it for him as a gift. So he is streaming two hours a week of him playing through the game from beginning to end and watching a 50 year old man playing a scary horror game has been the delight of my week every week. <laughs> it, it is so funny. Um, it, 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 if you don't watch any episode, if you're not going to watch the whole thing, if you're going to watch any episode, watch the second episode where your hero follow, has to go into a mansion with creepy dolls and then get, then get chased around in a basement by a giant baby monster in the dark. And you have to find solve puzzles to get the thing. And so picture a 50-year-old man screaming and actually have to pause the game and take a deep breath. <laughs> and I've never laughed so hard. Scott's a friend and uh, he he gets into it. He I've seen him stream a number of times and he really he's he's one of the people that I admire that can really do the suspension of disbelief and get sucked into a video game like that. I think I'm more like you. I might get a jump scare now and again if I ever played anything like that. But like I, I don't really get scared, you know, like I don't yeah. I don't get anxious or or really start to feel cautious you know and to even hit the nail on the head even harder his kids are watching the stream and so while he's playing they sneak down into his office and poke him from behind (laughs) his kids are all adults too like they're i think his youngest is over 20 now i keep it playing in the background while i'm working 
as though I'm not fully focused because I've played the game before. But then when I see where he's going and I know where he's at because I've been there, I'm like, right. oh, okay, I'll tune in. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is the scene where that thing is going to chase you. And then it's like it starts chasing him. And he's like in tears crying. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, I I would probably watch that because I know Scott, but like I I see it a lot online and I don't always get sucked into that, but I can understand it, why it's people... It's not my thing. It's totally not my thing. Yeah. But, you know, I don't... I, I'm not a YouTube guy. I'm not a Twitch guy. Mm -hmm. But when I saw this video, I was like, eh, I've played it. I'll just... And I've because I've listened to his podcast and stuff. Yeah. I've just never laughed so hard. And whenever I see it, it's always some like young kid. It's never a fifty-year-old guy playing the game that's screaming. It, it comes across as more genuine from Scott for yes, sure. Yes. For sure. Well, man, we've got lots of streaming recommendations and stuff this week for everybody. That's awesome. That wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Lou and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Word of mouth, however, is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can also check out my other podcast all about Minecraft. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about this week. And that is happening over at thespawnchunks.com. And of course, you can follow me on social media at Joel Duggan. And I will point you towards Twitch again at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I will be streaming Minecraft later on this week, hopefully updating the Citadel server to the new Caves and Cliffs update. Lou, where can people find you online? The easiest place to find me is under the name Busy Zombie Lord on all the social media that matters. And you can also check out my podcast, Zombies Ate My Podcast, where I'm not sure what we're covering next week. I need to talk to Ryan about that. Good luck. I think he's on vacation. Yeah. Hi, Ryan. You've been listening to the Sizzle Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap. But you can only pick two. 